Right now, we have Andy coming to Andrew, you probably prefer that, coming to minister to us today, and we're so excited about that. Give him a hand. Thank you. How's everybody doing? Everybody have a good Christmas? Even though the situation of this year and everything that's happened and all that, when Christmas gets here, it still brings a certain amount of joy. And you're at least able to forget about everything that's been happening. Or at least I try to. It's hard to. But there's just nothing like Christmas. It's not quite what you felt when you were a kid, <laughs> when you're an adult and all the pressures and all those things. But it's still an awesome time and the best time of year. Love it. Okay, so I'm going to continue with, I spoke about a month ago on the dark places. I'm going to kind of uh, continue along with that, go a little bit of a different direction, but I'm going to review real quick. Okay, so if I had to summarize, uh, basically, last time when I spoke, this is kind of the sentiment in a nutshell. So we're unique individuals with unique life experiences, fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. Amen? Amen. We must understand that the peaks and valleys related to the events and circumstances of our lives all play a part in our development. We all know this. Not only as human beings, but as Christians living by faith, hopeful that we are walking in and continually moving towards fulfilling the divine plan and purpose God has for each one of us. We choose as Christians. We have to make the choice. We choose to allow the things that happen to us that are beyond our control to do a work in us, not only for the betterment of ourselves, but for somebody else. Amen. Amen. That's what it's all about. Okay, so I talked about Abraham. I talked about how the Lord came to him. He told him he wanted to establish a blood covenant with him. He was going to be the father of many nations. Sarah was going to be the mother of many nations. And that they were going to have a son, which, of course, they laughed at because they were old. But we all know that they had Isaac. And the Lord told Abraham, and this is key, and this is something that I pointed out, that he wanted to establish his covenant with Isaac as an everlasting covenant for generations. That was the whole key or very important part of what I was talking about when I was talking about Abraham because Abraham knew because of what God told him that he could completely trust in God that he would not have to sacrifice Isaac, but he was still willing to be obedient to what the Lord asked him to do, which was to go and present Isaac as a sacrifice knew what God had told him, but he was still obedient to do what the Lord was telling him, even though it made no sense at all, which of course it didn't because he came to him and told him that you're going to have a son and he's going to be this blessing. He's going to establish this covenant for generations. But because Abraham was obedient to God, it affected generations because he was obedient. God is always at work in our lives, always. And even what may seem like the worst of circumstances, a work is being done. 
God is always moving forward. He's not stagnant. He doesn't go backward. There's always something progressing forward in your life, in the church, in the nation, in the divine plan, in the plan that seems insignificant. It's, God is always moving forward. Amen? Amen? Okay. So, our darkest moments in life can also represent the moment we submit our will to God's will because that is hard to do. Depending on your temperament, depending on who you are as a person, that could be a short path to, okay, God, or that could be, like me, a long path. <laughs> Very long path. <laughs> Remember this? <laughs> Patience. That's so many people come up to me, <laughs> which is great because it's so true, you know. Andrew needs more patience. Okay. So today, I'm going to talk about, I like how this table's big. I can do all kinds of stuff up here. I can do my budget up here while I talk to you guys if I wanted to. Okay, so I'm going to talk about Joseph. Remember, generations. So I, uh, Abraham had Isaac, okay? And then Isaac had Jacob and Esau and Jacob. Joseph is one of his sons. Generations. It's important that Abraham obeyed God. So the story of uh, Jacob starts in uh, Genesis 37. Okay? So it starts out that Jacob, he's 17 years old. And I understand a lot of people know this story. So I'm just going to kind of comment on it as I go along. Try to keep it interesting. So Joseph is 17 years old. He's out with his brothers. They're tending sheep. And Joseph was born to Jacob later in life. I was born to my parents later in life. So he got favored. So he made him a coat of uh, many colors, and his brothers, they could not stand him. They hated him. They hated him because of this. They resented him. The father-son relationship is a significant relationship, obviously, but back then, there was even more to it. There was more weight to it, that father and son, generations and all that stuff. So they hated him. So he has the bright idea <laughs> to proceed to tell them about some dreams that he's having. And in the dreams, he basically insinuates that he's going to rule over them one day. Well, they didn't like that too much. Even, the, even, the, even uh, his dad, even Jacob was like, you're going you're gonna to rule over us one day? Bible says Jacob kind of kept it, his feelings about that to himself. So, later on, they're tending sheep in a town a little further away. And Joseph is still at the house. And Jacob says, I want you to go check on him and see what's going on. So he goes and checks, goes to this town to see him, and they see him coming. And they're like, here he comes. Guy with the big dreams, guy that's always dreaming guy that makes it sound like he's going to rule over us one day. They're like, we need to kill him. And one of his brothers, uh, Reuben, spoke up and was like, no, let's not kill him. Well, they can't decide what they're going to do, so they take him and they throw him in an empty well. So they're figuring out what they're going to do. So they're like, well, <laughs> this is kind of how the scripture reads, he is our brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how they, that, that's kind of the sentiment that comes across. So they see these mini knights coming. So they pull him up and they sell him into slavery. Yep. So the mini knights sell him to Potiphar, 
He was a captain of the guard. He's a bigwig in Pharaoh's army. So they sell him to Potiphar. First point I want to make. God had a great plan and purpose for Joseph for his life. But his lack of forethought in sharing those dreams with his family show he lacked humility, sensitivity, and compassion. You're telling me you're not going to think? You know, I might want to keep that to myself because they may not receive that. He's 17 years old, but he lacks humility, sensitivity, and compassion that he needed for the position of authority that God had destined for him. Well, how's he going to work that out? There's going to be a process that plays out in Joseph's life just like there is each one of our lives to get to where God wants us to be, to be able to do what he needs us to do, okay? I'm going to skip over to Genesis 39 to 6. Okay. So, it says, The Lord is with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master, which is Potiphar. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything that he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, his whole household. And he entrusted to him everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household, And all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph, because of the blessing that was on him. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had because of Joseph, both in the house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. How many would like to have a person like that in your life this is his slave that he bought Mm -hmm. but the favor of God was so strong on him that it must have emanated from him to where he built this relationship with him and he understood that the favor of God was on him and he could just entrust this is a slave this is someone he doesn't even know but the favor of God shone on him to the extent to where he put that kind of confidence. Okay, well, this sounds good, and it is good, but Joseph is still betrayed by his brothers and thrown away, discarded like a piece of trash. That's how they treated him. This still happened to him, even though he's in this situation. Joseph was still in a dark place, but Psalms 23 says, what's it say? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because thou art with me. And the Lord was with Joseph. So even though he was in that place, he was in that dark place, he was still favored by God. He still had the favor of God. God knows the journey you're on because he predestined it. He knows where each one of us are going because he predestined what that is before the foundations of the earth. It's no surprise to him what's happened to you. It's not a surprise to God. No matter how bad it is. 
He knows what you need to sustain you enough, just enough to keep you moving forward towards the plan and purpose he has for your life while something's being developed in you the whole time. So for Joseph, that was favor. For you, it could be something, you know, anything that you're going through, any kind of situation. For Joseph, he had favor in this situation. Even though he was hurting, even though he'd been betrayed, even though he'd been through at that point, everything he'd been through, he still had the favor of God, but he was still dealing with what happened to him. Don't think for a minute he didn't miss his family, miss the love of his father. And he, his future was still unknown. He didn't know what was coming up ahead. All he knew is where he had ended up in that moment. So for you, it could be a friend or a family member who believes and cares for you and listens to you vent. You have that person, that one person that you can call, that you can trust, that you can just tell everything that's going on. And that helps sustain you. That person helps sustain you to get you along on your journey to where you're going. Someone could bless you financially. How many know that no matter what you're going through, what you're experiencing in life, if your finances are in order, it makes it a little bit easier. You can kick back. You're not having to worry about your bills. You have the situation that you're dealing with. It's annoying, yes but at least you don't have to be bothered by the mundane part of life that is related to money. That's a blessing. Sometimes your gift can sustain you. You know, guitar is something that I've done for a long time, over 30 years, and I have a love-hate relationship with it because it really frustrates me sometimes. Uh, but it, at times, has been my sanctuary that I could go to and just forget about everything and just let it all come out just kick my head back and just crank it up and just play you know so there's lots of different things that can play a role in your life that can sustain you and be the catalyst that gets you from where you're at here to here where God, to where God needs you to be and what he needs to develop in you for Joseph that was favor okay so moving along with Joseph so he was in charge of everything at Potiphar's house, decision-making. He entrusted everything to him, it said, but the only thing Potiphar thought about is what he ate. Okay, so I guess Joseph was a pretty good-looking dude. So for too long, Potiphar's wife starts checking him out. Young guy, right? So she keeps trying to put the moves on him. She's like, come to bed with me. Bible's real plain in certain parts. Usually when it comes to sex, it's very plain. A little too plain sometimes. <clears throat> so she keeps after him day after day after day. If you read in the scripture, she's just after him day after day after day. Most men are going to struggle with this, especially being in a condition that he's in where he is still hurting. He's favored of God, but he still had some bad things hurting to him. He doesn't know what's going to happen next. Blow off some steam. Potiphar's wife, huh? But he resists. Keeps telling her, no, I'm not going to do that. How could I do that? He's entrusted me with everything. How could I do that to him? Joseph still had character and integrity in the moment, in the dark place. So she grabs a hold of him, grabs a hold of his robe, 
getting away from her. She takes that robe and she flips the script on him. He was trying to come after me. So they throw him in prison. This is very important. We have to make choices every day, it seems, to do the right thing. Every day. Resisting what would bring some temporary fulfillment. But we must examine our lives in these moments. Even when we're in a dark place or weak moment, we must maintain a mental awareness of where we're at. We have to be thinking, I don't understand what's happening right now, but I'm not going to allow myself to potentially mess everything up by doing what feels good in the moment. You're still on a journey. You're not finished yet. It's not over till it's over. It's not over till you're gone. There's still a purpose. I don't care what age you're at. You have something to give. You have a story to tell. You have experiences that can relate to somebody that nobody else can relate to. So it's important that we make these right decisions. You may never know the consequences of what it could cost you if you make the wrong decision. But by making the right choice in the moment, you'll never have to wonder, what if? Man, what if I wouldn't have done when it felt good or when I wanted to or when I was down or when I was feeling like there was no hope, that I was, there was nowhere else for me to go? What if I wouldn't have done that? Now, God has <clears throat> grace and, and forgiveness, of course, and we're all going to screw up. Everybody makes mistakes. And most things, you can, you know, you can come back from, you can recuperate from. It's not like you can make a mistake. I don't want to. I don't want to say it like you can make a mistake and it derails the plan of purpose for your life. But you're only here for so long. Why not keep your heart in the right place? Do the best thing. Make the right choice. Do the best you can, and get there quicker than taking the long way around. How many have taken the long way around? <laughs> we all have. Okay. So Joseph was in prison for two years unjustly, but God still showed him favor. So Genesis 39, 20 through 23. Let's read about that. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Isn't that unbelievable? So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did, even in prison. That's an amazing story if you put yourself in that position. Because just at this point, look at everything that had happened to him. It's just amazing to think about it. Okay, well, Joseph was freed from prison and entered the service of Pharaoh because he could interpret the dreams that were troubling him. He was 30 years old when this happened. 
So this was 13 years later. It was 13 years from the time he was tending sheep till he was released from prison. It was 13 years he was away from his family, 13 years he hadn't seen his father or, or anyone. He was just on this journey. So he had become a man at this point. Okay, so at this, at this part of Joseph's story, favor, grace, and purpose are what are happening here. I've already talked about the favor. The governor, he became the governor of the land under Pharaoh. Gover, uh, Pharaoh made him the governor of the land in charge of all the grain. Very key point for Joseph to get to that point in his life. Because that's where God needed him to be from the time he was over here. That's where he needed to end up. Joseph had grace. Joseph could have done anything in this position. So what happened? So when he got out of prison and he became the governor, governor of the land, he was in charge of the grain. It goes to Genesis 42, 6 through 8. This is when it really gets good. This is very emotional. The story is a very emotional story. Okay. So Joseph was the governor of the land. Okay. So these dreams that he interpreted for Pharaoh, we all know. There were seven years of plenty and then there were seven years of famine. So by this point, it was into the famine. So everybody was needing food. Joseph was the governor of the land. He was in the position to dole out the food, basically. Okay, so now Joseph was the governor of the land, the one who sold grain to all the people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, because Jacob told them, it says, why are you standing around looking at me? That's what it says in the beginning of uh, uh Chapter 42. It's like, what are you guys standing around looking at me? You need to go to, <laughs> you need to go and get some food. That's basically what he says. So Joseph's brothers are before him. So when Joseph's, Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. I want you to think about anyone that's ever done you wrong. Divorce, Bad boss, bad relationship, betrayal, abuse of father, abuse of mother, anything. I want you to think about that person coming before you and bowing down right in front of you. And you know who they are, but they don't know who you are. That's what was taking place here. Powerful moment. Faces are to the ground. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them. But he pretended to be a stranger. And spoke to them harshly. Where do you come from, he said. From the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy, to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. That's a powerful moment. So, think about Joseph when he was 17 years old. Hey, I got this dream. And he's basically saying, I'm going to rule over you guys one day. <laughs> Hey, think about the person he is now at 30 years old. This is the grace part that Joseph had experienced and had come into because of what he had been through. Joseph could have done anything he wanted to to his brothers. They contemplated killing him, 
put him in a well and sold him into slavery. But God had done a work in Joseph, a great work. He had not seen his brothers in 20 years. He hadn't seen them in 20 years. But you don't think that he thought about what they did to him? There was a fight putting a 17-year-old in a well, then pulling them up. It says later in the scripture that he begged them not to do what they were doing. So he hadn't seen them in 20 years. And after all that, all he wanted was to reconcile with them. That's all he wanted. So he's in this moment, and he really doesn't know what to do because he, he doesn't want them to leave because he hasn't seen them in so long. He wants to reconcile the relationship, but he doesn't quite know how. Let me tell you something. You know that you have truly matured in Christ when you have mercy and grace for those who hurt you, persecuted you, even abandoned or abused you, and that's what he had. You have matured in your walk when... In the moment when you're going through something and you'd like to let them have it, you'd like to tell them off, there's all these things that you would like to do, but you just take it and you have grace and you have the perspective of what God has brought you through and you're not interested in that. All you're caring about is peace. He wants reconciliation and he just has grace for them. Why? Because he had been through so much himself already and all that played a part of taking that out of him to where he could be in that level of his development in that moment yeah. amazing story okay so he's like you guys are a bunch of spies that's all he, i mean this is totally off the cuff he doesn't know what to do so he just says you guys are just a bunch of spies because he wants to see his youngest brother, Benjamin, because Benjamin's not there. He's back at home with his dad. So what he tells him to do is he says, for you to prove to me that you're not spies, I'm going to put one of you in prison. First he says he's going to put all of them in prison, but then he decided to only put one. So he puts one of them in prison and makes them go back and bring the youngest brother back to them to prove that they're not spies. At least that's what they're thinking. But not only does he do that, but he puts enough grain in their bags or whatever you want to call them, satchels. Then he puts the silver back in there that they brought to pay for it. So they're going back and they're going along and at some point in the journey they stop and one of them discovers that they have that. We have the silver in our bag. What happened? So they're freaked out. <laughs> but yet they know that they have to come back and they have to bring Benjamin and if for no other reason they're going to run out of food at some point. So they're in a, they're in a predicament. <laughs> okay. We always get ourselves into it, don't we? Yeah. Get ahead of myself. Okay. So their dad is like, "Okay, we're running out of food." Of course, they tell him the whole story of everything that happened. He shows them the silver, so he's like, okay, well, once you fill your bags up, we'll put the silver back, and then we'll bring some extra stuff. But you got to take Benjamin with you, which he doesn't want that to happen because he already, he already lost Joseph. So he's, he's very upset that he's going to have to go with them, but what else can they do because they have to eat? 
Okay, so I want to go to Genesis 45, 1 through 7. You read a lot of scripture, you have to do whatever you can to make it interesting. You don't want to be reading from the Bible and because people are just, you know, they fall asleep reading the Bible anyway, so you have to make this interesting. But the thing with me is I'm kind of an out there kind of guy, so I can't be too more than PG rated when I'm giving my description. Anyways, that's a little side note. Okay, so they go back. Joseph sees him coming. He's, he's, he tells his servant to go back to his house and prepare this big feast. So they come back. They're like, hey, we got this silver. We know how it ended up in our bag, and here's some extra stuff. And the guy's like, don't worry about it. Just come on in. So Joseph is eating with all his brothers and Benjamin, and he's talking to him, and he's asking about his dad. And tell me about your dad again. And, you know, this is his dad. They still don't recognize him. Remember, it had been 20 years. So they're sitting there, and they get to talking, and what he does is he still wants to be around them. He doesn't want them to go. So what does he do? He fills up their bags with grain. He puts the silver back in it, the same thing, but then he puts his cup in it, his cup. He's the governor, silver cup. So he tells his guys, his staff, whatever, that he's doing this. He's like, in the morning, I want you to go after him. And when you read this, the first thing you think is that he's toying with them, that he's trying to torment them to get back at them. But the more I read it, the more I'm like, no, he wants to be around them. He wants to, he, he doesn't know what to do to keep them around him because he wants that relationship because he hasn't seen him in so long. So it gets to a point where he can't take it anymore. Emotions, at one point he had to leave the room when Benjamin was in there. Because he was overcome with emotion. So it gets to a point to where he can't take it anymore. Genesis 45. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all the attendants. And he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it about how loud that he was weeping. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers <laughs> were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Imagine how they felt. Dude, <laughs> he's going to kill us for sure. We were so bad to him. They were like, they were terrified. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. They're like, yeah, they don't know what he's going to do. This is unpredictable. This is a story that we read, but these are real people. He hadn't seen them in 20 years. They know how they screwed him over. They don't know what he's going to do. Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now, his toothpaste, this is his purpose. Do not be distressed and do not be angry 
with yourselves for selling me here because this is awesome. Remember what I told you about Abraham? Remember how I told you about him making the right decision, affected generations, it affected lives? This is what it says. Don't be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, so he's 39 at this point. He's 39 years old, of 17 when they sold him into slavery. For two years now, there has been famine in the land. And for the past five years, there will, be, there will not be plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Isn't that amazing? That was his purpose. So his, bro his brothers did all that they did to him and in the end ended up saving their lives. What a powerful moment. Think of the emotions of that moment. It's just incredible. So that was the purpose of all of it. That was the purpose of everything that Joseph had been through was that moment. That was the moment right there. So it took from the time Joseph was 17 to 39 years old, so 22 years, for the purpose of everything he had been through to come to fruition. It took that long. So I want you to think about your life. I want you to think about everything that you've been through. If we're retrospective enough to see who we are as opposed to who God needs us to be to fulfill the plan and purpose he has for our lives and what the end result of that will be, we wouldn't change anything. If we looked at our life at 17 years old, if God showed Joseph, you're going to be the governor under Pharaoh, that wouldn't compute in his mind. There's no way. And if all he said was, you're just going to have to go through a few things, but in the end, you're going to be in a powerful position and you're going to be able to end up helping your family, he wouldn't change anything. But that's not how life works, we know, because we live by faith. So we have to have faith in the level of character and integrity that Joseph had, which he had a lot of it, because of being in those positions where he could have done anything at any moment to the people who persecuted him. He could have told them to go find them. He could have done that. He didn't have to wait for them to come to him. He could have said at any moment, I want you to go get them and imprison them. And they'd be like, why? Just because I said so. He was that powerful. So he endured that whole process for that. So that's a long time. That's a long time. I've, I've been through stuff that have taken years to turn around yeah. and it was hard and there were times where I wanted to give up just like you yeah. just like everyone in this room has been through something like that yeah. everyone in here has a story to tell and it's just as relevant as mine or anyone else's yeah. because it's unique to your life yeah. and it's unique to whoever's going to be in your life that you can affect them and help them along the journey just like 
So, you remember this? Yeah. <laughs> we'll have another example. Okay. You know how when you get a prescription filled, and you look at the bottle and you're like, man, there's no way I'm going to take all these pills. You know, because it's like this much. So you're looking at the amount of pills they give you, and it looks like it's way too many. About halfway through the bottle, you feel like you're over it. You feel like you're fine. But what does the pharmacist tell you to do? Make sure you take the whole thing. Make sure you take the whole bottle so it doesn't come back. <laughs> All right, well, this is, how, this is God's way of completing the work. Why sometimes situations linger even though we feel like we're better or over it. Like with Joseph, God wants to do a complete work. With Joseph, it took being, this is what it took for him to get to that. If you're, if you're looking at anyone or envious of anyone's calling that's in a position where you're like, wow. Believe me, the journey that it took for them to get there is one you may not want to take. Joseph achieved this, but he was betrayed by his family. He was thrown into a well. He was sold into slavery. And he was thrown into prison unjustly. Any one of those could be a game in there for most folks. In the end, the result of all Joseph went through had an outcome that he unknowingly predicted at 17 years old. He predicted it. I'm going to rule over y'all one day. Right? He predicted it. But look what he had to go through. So he predicted this at 17, but probably never could have imagined in reality. You might say the darker the place, the brighter or bigger the result or outcome. So if his journey was 22 years and it took that long, look how big. Let me encourage you today. Let me encourage you, however long your journey is or whatever you're going through or however long it is or however dark it is, there is a bright outcome. This is not just me trying to pump you up. This is not me trying to say cliche things that a teacher or preacher should say in church. This is something, this is how God works. You can count on this because it's not me saying it. It's the word of God proving it over and over and over and over again. So be encouraged today. So I have one final thought. Remember Jerry Springer? He had his final thought at the end. <laughs> They'd all be fighting and <laughs> all that stuff. And then he'd be in the corner. He's like, what's my final thought? <laughs> well, this is not that. <laughs> this is not that. See, I, I gave you the lowest scenario, so it would make my thought. See what I did there? Okay. All right, so a year ago... A year ago, just think about it, the weight of saying a year ago compared to right now. A year ago, I and many others looked at 2020 as a year of vision and focus. Like Joseph, it took an unusual, 
set of circumstances for me to develop that. But boy, did I develop it. But I did end up with what I needed to move forward into what I feel like is God's purpose and plan for my life. I got my vision and focus, and I bet a lot of you others, other people did too. So how are we supposed to look at 2021? Everything that we've been through in 2020, a lot of unprecedented things. Or there was a precedent, but not to the degree. You know, I said that the... <laughs> We were talking about, in 1918, how they talked about the Spanish flu. Mm-hmm. I was talking to somebody, it may have been one of my kids, I was like, well, you know, that was just an outbreak of bad taco meat. That's what that was. <laughs> that was a Spanish flu. It's a dad joke, I know, but, but that's what that was. More you know. <laughs> but man, so going into 2021, how am I going to... How are we going to approach that? Well, for, this, is, this is for me. And I have some uh, great slogan or whatever, like we, you know, a lot of folks come up with for 2020. But considering everything that's happened, and I just wrote this down before church, I'm going to be thankful more than ever before for everything. Sunny day. I know that comes with age, but... Just to wake up and be alive and have a job. I'm going to appreciate every moment. I appreciate uh, having this moment and, and having the, the, the privilege and being entrusted to come up here and, and do this. This is awesome, and I, I enjoy it. And I just appreciate it. I appreciate every moment. It makes you look at the mundane things of life, not so mundane, just because you're able to do those mundane things in a great country. I'm going to value my relationships that I have. People that I haven't talked to in years, I'm going to reach out to them because this applies to them too. They're going through stuff. They're on a journey. They're going somewhere. They're going through Man, if I can just be a help, if I can just be an encouragement, I know that encouraging someone, it's going to encourage me in the process. And I want to live day by day and take it day by day. Because there's a lot of things that are out of our control, a lot of things that we have no control over. But we can trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding and acknowledge him in all his ways because we know he is making and setting our path straight. That's all we can do. That's all we can do. So I hope that that was an encouragement. It's such a good story. You know, there's lots of good stories in the Bible. And maybe some of the ways that it was presented to you growing up was more of a you know, just a plane, and they're just reading it, and they're not injecting any personality or whatever. But these are real people in real situations and radical things that happen. And that's what I've learned to do is put myself in it. That's, uh, that's the only thing I do. If, you, if you're curious at all about how I get some of the things I do, 
out of reading these stories. I just put myself in that situation with my temperament, the way I would think and the way I would feel. If you read the Bible that way, it'll blow up to you. How would I react to that? How would I feel about that? How would I? Then you're like, then it kind of hits you. So I want to encourage everyone today. I just want to pray for you right where you're at. And everything, you know, this is just like, like when I do a guitar solo, when I've recorded or, or whatever, or I have gigs or, you know, there's certain parts you're like, oh, God, when that one part comes up, I hope I don't screw it up. Those are questions I've always, like, I, I, you know, that's what, that was my first question I wanted to ask Eddie Van Halen if he was still alive. It's like, man, is there any other solos that you play that you're like, okay, you know, it's a 50-50 shot on this one lick, you know? <laughs> yeah, right, probably not. <laughs> but when I'm doing those, I kind of leave holes for whatever happens. Like what, what I did on the 30-year anniversary, a lot of that was pre-planned, but there were, there were holes in it where I'm like, well, whatever comes out, what comes out. So when I teach, there are certain things that I just leave open like that, and that's where the Holy Spirit helps me. And that's where this moment is. Because I did not pre-plan what I want to pray, what I want to say. I'm just going to be led by the Holy Spirit. Because it can be just as effective with everyone. Some folks are more comfortable just sitting just like this. and But they're, man, bring it on. You're feeding me, receiving it. So I want you to just close your eyes. I want you to think about your life. Think about where you're at. I want you to think about the things you've been through that have led you up to this point today. Some of it is dark. Some of it is stuff you don't want to talk about. Some of it is stuff that you don't want anyone to know about. And so there's some things that have happened that everyone knows about. Deep, intimate stuff that's hurtful, that's painful. I want to encourage you. We serve a living, most high God that is in control, even when it doesn't seem like there's anything in control in your life. God loves you. He's not judging you. He accepts you where you're at. He accepts you how you are. All he wants you to do is listen to him, just like Abraham did, so he can lead you to where he wants you to go in your life. Because you have a purpose. You're important. People online, I want you to grab onto what I'm saying. You're important. God loves you. He accepts you. And even if you're in a dark place right now, it is temporary. Joy comes in the morning. So I want to encourage you today. I don't want anyone to be afraid of 2021. We're Christians. We serve the Most High God. He's in control of our life. Give him control of your life. Accept him today if you haven't. All you have to do is say, Jesus, forgive me, my, forgive me my sins. I accept you into my life. Change my life, Lord Jesus. That's all you have to do. Lord, I pray for these people today. I pray that no matter where they're at in their process of where you're leading them to, that you encourage them that you strengthen them, that you put things in their life to help sustain them enough to carry them from where they're at to where they're going, just like you did with Joseph. I pray for these people. I pray that 2021, in spite of what we might hear in the noise, 
is going to be an awesome, powerful year where you shine in this church, in our lives, and a year from now we'll have a new story to tell. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, don't party too hard <laughs> on New Year's Eve. All right? I love you guys. <laughs>